You've heard of Grammarly, and you might think it's a fancy spell check, but people on your team have been using it and loving it for years because it does way more than you realize. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that works seamlessly across apps and websites and can write an instant first draft in a few clicks, not a few hours. When every word your team writes is clear, concise and on brand, companies can save 19 days per employee per year. Learn what better writing can do for your company at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said, done. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. From the heart of where innovation, money, and power collide, in Silicon Valley and beyond, this is Bloomberg Technology with Emily Chang. Chang in New York, and this is Bloomberg Technology. Coming up in the next hour, the end of a Silicon Valley era. Sheryl Sandberg is stepping down after 14 years at Facebook and now Meta as chief operating officer. I spoke to Sandberg in an exclusive interview. I made a final decision this weekend and let Mark know. We're going to have more on that decision, why she's leaving now and what it means for Meta's future. And... If you want to keep working at Tesla, forget about working from home. Elon Musk sending an email with the subject line, remote work is no longer acceptable. We will get to that later in the show, but first a quick check of the markets and of course how MetaShares moved on news of Sheryl Sandberg leaving the company after 14 years. Bloomberg's Ed Ludlow here with more. Big day for the markets Yeah, and big Meta. day. Um, fantastic reporting on Sheryl Sandberg and the role that the sell-off in MetaShares had, even though it was just in that last 20 minutes of the session, it did have an impact on the broader markets. You look at the S&P 500, the Nasdaq 100, both down by seven-tenths of a percent, but those declines accelerated as we saw Facebook on Meta shares sell off more rapidly in the last 30 minutes of trading. Definitely the biggest points laggard on the Nasdaq 100 really weighing down that index. Another day where yields continue to rise though, which is impacting tech stocks. You see the yield on the US 10-year Treasury up to 2.9%, up around six basis points. And that's the move, right? You're all eyes on Meta, the parent company of Facebook, at one point down 4%. Although it did pair some of those declines as more details came out about Sandberg's replacement, about the fact that Sandberg is going to remain on the board despite stepping down as COO. Very quickly, one corner of the market where very heavy selling took place was crypto-related stocks. We saw Bitcoin actually, through most of Wednesday's session, fall back down towards $30,000 per token. You see some of the names involved in crypto and also blockchain-related technologies seeing really heavy declines. 
There was also broader impact from that sell-off in Meta on the social media landscape. And the moment that the headlines crossed the Bloomberg terminal, you saw that instant reaction in Meta shares. Ticker FB, remember, June 13th is changing to ticker META. But Twitter also saw declines pairing some of those losses towards the close. The same story with Snap. This is going to have reverberations in the social media landscape because of the role that Sandberg was a, is a player in the ad space as well, Em. All right. I'd love, love. Thank you. That big news of the day, Sheryl Sandberg leaving Meta after 14 years as chief operating officer. I had a chance to speak to her exclusively along with my colleague, Kurt Wagner, about the announcement. She will officially leave the company in the fall. She will stay on Meta's board. But here's her answer as to why and why now. This was a decision I made that I did not come to lightly. And it really is about how I will spend my time, not how much I believe in the company. I believe in the company as much as I ever did. I'm staying on the board. And I really have complete confidence in the team Mark and I have built. I think they're going to do a great job building the future. For a company, that's a huge part of my life and a huge part of my heart. For more, I'm joined by Kurt Wagner, who, of course, covers Meta for us, and David Kirkpatrick, founder of Techonomy, author of the book, The Facebook Effect. Kurt, I'll start with you, since you and I both spoke to Cheryl exclusively on the phone. You know, we've been preparing for this, you know, but I think a small part of me never thought it would happen. You know, give us a little bit more context about why you believe Cheryl is making this decision and now. Well, she was very clear in our conversation, Emily, that... Uh, it felt to me like this was a much more personal decision than anything for her. You know, she talked about the fact that she's getting married this summer. Uh, you know, she's going to be blending her family with her fiance's family. She's obviously very passionate about uh, her philanthropy work and, and lean in. And so those were the types of things that she talked about. Right. And when you start to take a step back and you look, OK, well, some of her biggest responsibilities, for example, running all of policy has already been handed off to Nick Clegg. Right. And so uh, the legal side had already been handed off. So you look at kind of um, the the trail that led us to here, right? And, and see what's happening in her personal life, the fact she's been there a long time and that some of her responsibilities had been started to, to hand off to other people. I think it felt, um, you know, sort of to your point, like we've been asking this for a long time. It wasn't necessarily shocking at the same time. It's hard to think of Facebook without Sheryl Sandberg. And we have been asking this question for a long time, but the irony is she told us that she made the decision over the weekend, told Mark over the weekend, and here we are with this announcement today. Uh, she talked to us a little bit about delivering that news. To Mark, take a quick listen to what she had to say. I made a final decision this weekend and let Mark know. I think, you know, there, the rules are such that once I've made a decision, we do not have a lot of time to announce. So that's why the timing between decision and announcement is so tight. So obviously there are SEC disclosure rules that require Meta slash Facebook to tell the public uh, in short order. David Kirkpatrick, you wrote the book on Facebook. You know Cheryl well. You have interviewed her many times over the years. What do you think? Well, I was surprised like everyone else, but I'm like many. I had expected this really to come quite a bit ago. Uh, I think for the last few years, it's been easy to imagine Cheryl wanting to leave Facebook both because one could have the sense that she had sort of lost a grip on the issues that she was supposed to be responsible for, or she 
by some analysis, wasn't taking sufficient responsibility for them. Obviously, Mark Zuckerberg has been taking responsibilities back away from her in the last year or so. Uh, the New York Times wrote a piece last summer about the split between Zuckerberg and Sandberg following uh, January 6th and her statements that you know Facebook was not responsible for that, uh, and that resonated poorly with some. But you know, her whole history there is an astonishing history of a miraculously effective leader in many, many ways. And I think, unfortunately, though, the end is sort of a sad one because Facebook's reputation has fallen in, in, in such a huge way in recent years under her leadership. And, of course, Sheryl Sandberg, unfortunately, became the face of many uh, of the controversies that Facebook has weathered. But I don't think we can overstate her impact on, obviously, you know, meta, but also Silicon Valley culture, business culture, as she built. Google's business model as well. Facebook's at uh, an inflection point right now. They've got to figure out this metaverse thing and a whole new business model. Kurt and I also asked her if that had anything to do with this, the fact that she's kind of got to write a whole new business plan. Take a listen to what she had to say. We have a current business, which is our current apps connecting customers to businesses. And I think there's a lot of opportunity there right right now, but also over the long run. And then the metaverse is a much longer term business opportunity. And it's going to take some of the same form in that I believe we will be a place and then the metaverse will be a place where businesses and consumers connect. But I think the exact form that takes is something that will be figured out over the next number of years, a much longer term. Now there's a team in place whose job that is to do now, figure out how consumers and businesses are going to interact in the metaverse. And Kurt, you know, talk to us a little bit about the new leadership structure. You've got uh, Javi Olivan, who's going to be uh, taking on the role of COO. You've got obviously Nick Clegg, who's continuing to run policy and communications. You've got Chris Cox, the chief product officer, Andrew Bosworth, the chief technology officer, and of course, Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, I mean, historically, the way Facebook has been set up is that they kept the product side of the house under Mark Zuckerberg uh, and the business side of the house uh, under Cheryl. Now, what you'll see from this image right here is that a lot of the people up there, with the exception of Nick Clegg, are kind of from the uh, product side of the house under Mark Zuckerberg, you know, Chris Cox, a very good friend, Andrew Bosworth, a very good friend, Javi, a very good friend. So these are people who have worked with and for Mark Zuckerberg for more than a decade. Um, they're someone, they're people that he trusts very, very completely. And they're also people who are going to, you know, uh, listen to what Mark says and believe in, in the vision that Mark sets forth, right? And not that Cheryl was at all someone who was sitting in the room and, and banging her fist and saying, you know, I'm not going to go that direction. But my point is sort of that you know, Mark has now uh, surrounded himself with people who he very uh, much trusts and who have worked for him for a very long time. And so when you look at the future and you look about what might be uncertain about this idea of the metaverse, I don't see the company wavering on it because the people, again, who are going to be uh, talking with him at all of these important meetings are people he's known for a very long time. And of course, there are a lot of powerful women at Facebook who continue to work there. But David, what do you make of the fact there are no women? On no, it's that a bunch list? of white men, isn't it? Given yeah. that, you know, Sheryl Sandberg, you know, did a lot to change the world for, for working women. This has been a key priority of hers, a, a key priority in terms of evolving Facebook's culture to one that is friendlier to women. 
Well, she served as a symbol of women's success in business, there's no question. I mean, for most of the last 14 years, certainly for the last maybe 10 or 11 years, she could have left Facebook at any time and become the CEO of any company in the world. And I know she was solicited for those kinds of jobs time and time again and didn't show interest because she really wanted to stay here. Um, I wouldn't be at all surprised, however, if she really has been feeling very, not only left out, but quite critical of a lot of the company's moves. I wouldn't even be shocked to learn that she was not in favor of changing the company name and didn't really believe in the metaverse shift, which I frankly think is still an unproven and highly questionable shift. Um, she's a very rational, grounded business person. But I, I want to re reiterate one thing. She created what was probably the best business in the history of capitalism for most of her time there. Mm -hmm. The profit per dollar of revenue of Facebook's advertising business that she created is greater than the profit margin of any public company you can name. And that has declined in recent years for a variety of reasons. But she really is an astonishingly effective business leader for right. whatever other flaws we might want to and point she to. She is not, I've heard many times today, one of the most influential women in business. She is one of the most influential people Absolutely. in business. Totally. Full stop. And still is, yeah. And of course now there's this big open question, what's she going to do next? She talked about her philanthropy. She talked about her women's advocacy. Take a listen to that portion of the conversation. A decision I didn't come to lightly, but it's been 14 years. It's been 14 years, and I want to make more room to do more philanthropically, to do more with my foundation. I've definitely not been able to do nearly as much as I have wanted to uh, recently. It's a really important moment for women. Emily, I know you and I have spent a lot of time talking about that over the years, but it really feels like a very, very important moment uh, when I think more focus there would really be, be important to me personally. And of course, Kurt and I, our immediate next question was, will you ever go back to business? Will you ever get into politics? Take a listen to what she had to say. I learned a long time ago, never make any predictions about the future, but I think I think a lot of that is pretty unlikely, and I'm really, I really think there's a lot, hopefully, uh, that I can do with my foundation philanthropically. Kurt, do you believe it? Is it unlikely? Uh, or are we going to see a, a, a reincarnation of Sheryl Sandberg in, in business or politics? I... I I'm going to I'm going to fall on the, the side of believing what she said there simply because I'm not sure that going back. I mean, clearly, she doesn't need the money. Right. So going back into business uh, simply for her own personal wealth or anything like that doesn't really it's not necessary. doesn't make much sense. And I think that, you know, similar to uh, Mark Zuckerberg, similar to a lot of these um, billionaire tech founders and successful executives you've seen, their legacy is going to be left probably um, in, in other ways, right? And so it's going to be hard for her to go do anything outside of Facebook that's going to be more important than what she's already done at Facebook on the business side. And now I think she probably sees an opportunity to, uh, you know, solidify herself as, as someone who is, is truly a champion of, of uh, women's issues. And, and as she pointed out in that interview with us, Emily, kind of making that her top priority. I, I guess if I had to choose, I would I would assume maybe that's the direction she goes. I, I I would agree. She did joke to us that it was the honor and privilege of a lifetime, but it was not the most manageable job of a lifetime. Um, Kurt Wagner, thank you for your reporting on this. Uh, David, I want to ask you one last question. Do, do you believe? Do you believe her? 
Well, is, is uh, this is, is this officially Sheryl Sandberg moving into ph philanthropy, or well, is there she's, a, new, a next chapter? She's a multi-billionaire. She can do whatever she wants, and she will certainly be effective as a philanthropist. I'm sure it might actually be a role that suits her better. Mm -hmm. I know she really has been interested in politics for a long time. I think for many years she really had hoped that that would be her eventual direction. My own opinion is that the way that the Facebook story has evolved in recent years has made it extremely difficult for her to move into Democratic Party politics, which is certainly what she would do, because Facebook is a essentially a persona non grata in the, in the Democratic Party. Right. Facebook has been shown to have so many social harms, and she is to some extent responsible for not having taken enough action on what that. What about an appointed office versus an elected office? That's a possibility. I think if she, you know, there was talk that it, if she's been talked about as a Treasury Secretary in the past. She worked in that office under Larry Summers. I'm sure she'd be a good one. But I still think even for a role like that, it would be very controversial because of Facebook's history. Indeed. All right. Well, we will, of course, be watching, and we should mention she is there transitioning the team over the summer. Her direct reports will be transitioned over the summer. She will leave officially in the fall, and, of course, she will remain on Facebook's board. David Kirkpatrick. Javier is a very impressive guy, too, who and I know very well. He's too. been running growth, and we know Facebook and Meta is still growing. And he's been there. Despite all these challenges. Pretty much as long as she has, or longer. All right. Well, David, thank you. I'm glad you're here today. It's good to see you here in person in New York. And, of course, we're going to have much more on this throughout the show. Venture capital funding has surged in recent years, but not all founders are treated equally. Last year, companies founded only by women nabbed just over 2% of total capital invested in venture-backed startups in the U.S. Still, VC funding for female-founded or co-founded companies has been trending up, and 2021 saw the creation of several women-led funds, incubators, and new companies. Here with me to talk about this and more, a new Dougal founding partner of the Female Founders Fund, a new thank you so much for joining us. Good to see you here in person. Thank you for having me. I have to ask you before you begin what you make of Sheryl Sandberg leaving Facebook given her impact on the tech industry and the conversation about women work and having a seat at the table. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think, you know, it's obviously um, breaking news, so um, not much to comment beyond the fact that I think, you know, she's obviously been an incredibly influential woman, woman excuse me, in tech and has, you know, a massive network, has made tremendous impact and really excited to see what, what she does next. So, you know, in my conversation with her, she talked about this being kind of an inflection point for women, women's advocacy. She's going to spend more time on that. There's been concerns about women backsliding in the pandemic. How do you think that translates to women founders and what they're facing in the venture capital industry right now? You know, typically when belts tighten and markets get tumultuous, investors go back to what they know, which sure. is male founders. Yeah, so I think um, we're kind of in the early stages of um, what one would call a downturn. I think looking back to 2021, um, it was an incredible year for female founders overall. Record number of IPOs led by female founders. In fact, I think in the history of the stock market, there have been 20 female-led um, IPOs, and last year alone there were six. So I think a lot to celebrate there. We had a lot of growth rounds that were led by female founders, particularly in digital healthcare. Um, so I think we're starting to see some really interesting momentum. So how are you thinking about deploying capital at this time? 
So I think as a seed investor, we sit in an interesting position in that, um, you know, the markets have been largely overvalued and we have the opportunity to sit back and really look at valuations coming down and be patient. I think, you know, in the last year, you at some point had, you know, two to three days to get back to an entrepreneur or to a founder. And it will be it will be interesting to kind of reset back to what I think was more of the norm, um, you know, in, in the coming year. What's your advice to founders right now? I mean, we've heard, you know, batten down the hatches, yeah. slow your burn, you know, stop. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I think all of the above. I think um, you know, even the best performing companies are going to have a hard time raising capital, and if they do, you know, they probably will not get the valuations they want. And so, in light of that, the advice that we've been giving is really to to your point, you know, look at your burn, focus on you know that path to profitability, and and really try to weather the storm. You started your own fund back in 2014. What are some lessons you've learned along the way? So I think, um, you know, back when I started the fund in 2014, the idea of investing in female founders was really quite novel. And um, and I think, you know, along the way, there's been so much development in this space. And I think so much recognition for the fact that it is important to invest in diverse founders and that that diversity pays off when it comes to, you know, some of the recent exits and, um, you know, IPOs that I mentioned earlier. And what do you think the, the, the industries of the future are, the bets of the future? I mean, are you looking for the next Facebook? (laughs) It's a great question. I think, you know, a space that we've been seeing a lot of activity in um, is digital health. And I think that's largely due to what we saw with the pandemic, where, you know, a lot of Americans had to deal with healthcare in a very different way. And, you know, whether it's pediatrics, whether it's, um, you know, your primary care physician, women's health, all of these categories, um, you know, we're seeing a lot of interesting disruption and innovation and primarily, you know, quite frankly, from female founders. All right. Anna Dougal, Female Founders Fund. Love the name. Thank you for joining us. Great to have you here. Thanks for having me. Studio. All right, coming up, we're going to have much more on Sheryl Sandberg's exit from Meta, as well as some controversy around Elon Musk, who would have thought, and workers returning to the office. This is Bloomberg. What if everyone at work were an expert communicator? What if every doc, message, and email they wrote was perfectly clear and concise? Inbox numbers would drop, customer satisfaction scores would rise, and everyone would be more productive. That's where Grammarly comes in. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that understands your business and can transform it through better communication. Companies that use Grammarly save an average of 19 days per employee per year. That's because with Grammarly's AI, what used to take a few hours only takes a few clicks like generating an instant first draft in your company voice or tailoring a message to your specific audience and goals. And Grammarly's personalized on-brand writing help is built in everywhere your team works, across 500,000 apps and websites. Plus, it's safe, secure, and already IT-approved. Join 70,000 teams who trust Grammarly with their words and their data. Learn more at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said. Done. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. 
I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Well, the world's richest man has had it with working from home. In two memos to Tesla employees, Elon Musk said he wants to make sure certain staff are in a real Tesla office at least 40 hours a week. Joining us to talk about the latest, Bloomberg's Ed Ludlow. Ed, what exactly did Musk have to say? So, two memos to two different tranches of staff, but basically saying for those that want to work from home, they need to be in the office for a minimum of 40 hours a week, as you said. But he stipulated this isn't just a remote or pseudo office, this has to be a main Tesla office. The second memo to a broader number of Tesla employees clarified his position and he basically said there may be tech companies out there em that have a hybrid working model or they're fully remote but he didn't see any of those companies innovating or doing anything new on their products so he is basically saying that he wants to see employees back in the office full time raises a lot of questions about twitter as well what if elon musk's purchase of twitter goes through because you remember back in may 2020 jack dorsey when he was still ceo instituted an indefinite work from home or or work on a hybrid model policy. Even when Twitter's offices reopened in September of last year, people continue to work remotely. So that's been the kind of big question as a follow-up to that. But it's very clear, Elon Musk, world's richest man, CEO of Tesla and SpaceX, is not a big fan of return to the office. Indeed, Jack Dorsey was one of the first, if not the first executive, I believe, uh, to tell workers they could go work from home permanently. Okay, I'd love the story. We're going to continue to follow there. Thank you. A decision I didn't come to lightly, but it's been 14 years. It's been 14 years, and I want to make more room to do more philanthropically, to do more with my foundation. I've definitely not been able to do nearly as much as I have wanted to uh, recently. It's a really important moment for women. Emily, I know you and I have spent a lot of time talking about that over the years, but it really feels like a very, very important moment. Uh, when I think more focus there would really be, be important to me personally. I made a final decision this weekend and let Mark know. I think, you know, there, the rules are such that once I've made a decision, we do not have a lot of time to announce. So that's why the timing between decision and announcement is so tight. This was a decision I made that I did not come to lightly. And it really is about how I will spend my time, not how much I believe in the company. I believe in the company as much as I ever did and staying on board. And I really have complete confidence in the team Mark and I have built. I think they're going to do a great job building the future for a company that's a 
huge part of my life and a huge part of my heart. We have a current business, which is our current apps connecting customers to businesses. And I think there's a lot of opportunity there right right now, but also over the long run. And then the metaverse is a much longer term business opportunity. And it's going to take some of the same form in that I believe we will be a place and then the metaverse will be a place where businesses and consumers connect. But I think the exact form that takes is something that will be figured out over the next number of years, a much longer term. Welcome back to Bloomberg Technology. I'm Emily Chang in New York. That was part of my exclusive interview with Sheryl Sandberg along with my colleague Kurt Wagner who announced today that she is leaving Meta after 14 years as the company's chief operating officer. Sandberg, now 52 years old, she joined Facebook, get this, when she was 38 and Mark Zuckerberg was just 23. She'll officially leave the company in the fall but she'll stay on Meta's board. For more on what this all means, I'm joined now by Bloomberg's Sarah Fryer, who, of course, covers technology and social media for us, along with Stephen Levy, editor-at-large at Wired and author of the book, Facebook, The Inside Story. Stephen, you heard Cheryl's words there, her explanation for why and why now. What's your read on this? Well, I, I think, you know, the surprise is why she stayed so long. Uh, you know, a lot of people thought that it would have happened earlier. It's not a big surprise that she's going on to something else. No one could say she cut and run when Facebook ran into troubles because she wrote it out um, long, long past the time some people thought she would. Uh, and uh, once the company changed its name and refocused on the metaverse, you could tell the clock was ticking. Sarah, what's your take? I mean, you know, in that interview, she, she talks about how, you know, we asked her, is she going to go back into business? Is, are we going to see her in politics someday? She said all of that is very unlikely. She really wants this time. She wants to work on her philanthropy and still never say never, but, you know, not something that we should expect to see her do. What do you think? Well, I think, you know, she wanted to leave Facebook in a in a good place likely and, and it's really been a difficult time to find a good place to leave Facebook. It's a company in constant turmoil. They've they've had multiple scandals. Some of them you know Cheryl Sandberg contributed to through the company's grow at all costs and um, you know advertising business, user growth, and then solving the problems after the fact. She she did try hard to make sure that um, Facebook could change its, the way the public sees it. The regulators could see it differently. But this is a company that you know is, is just such a big, powerful force and continues to have issues. And so uh, there was no bright horizon uh, moment for her to leave Facebook. She just had to make the call. And I think I think what she was saying about the transition to the metaverse that gives a little bit of a clean moment for her to say, like, listen, I. I built Facebook up to a nearly $120 billion business. It's time for the next era to begin, and, and that's not really the era that she needs to be a part of. Um, well, let's talk about that next era, Stephen. You know, obviously, Sheryl Sandberg did, um, for better or for worse, become the face of many of Facebook's controversies. I imagine it was difficult to find that good time to leave, and yet she is inarguably one of the most influential people in business today. How would you assess or explain her legacy? It is a complicated one. She came to, you know, you pointed out, Mark was only 23. Um, she was, you know, 
38. She built a big business at Google, um, and she changed Facebook's culture. When she got there, uh, it was still very much a, a dorm room flavored, uh, kind of bro engineering based culture. And she knew how to build it out to something bigger, something more welcoming to a more diverse uh, group of employees. Um, she built up the business, the, the ad business. Um, you know, you could say that uh, maybe point a finger at her and saying the way she built it up was to build it up on personal data and targeted advertising. That was something that Cheryl really nurtured and delivered in a spectacular fashion to advertisers. Um, and then she was also in charge of the policy aspect of Facebook. And again, that's where they ran into a lot of trouble. And uh, again, I, you see, it's interesting that a few months ago, uh, that part of it was shifted uh, to Nick Clegg, who took over that part of the company's role, uh, which previously had been Cheryl's domain. And Nick uh, reports directly to Mark. Uh, and you know, so before that whole policy thing, the Washington, D.C. thing, which you think Cheryl would be uh, so adept at because she came from uh, D.C. she and Treasury, uh, that went to someone else. So again, one way for her to, to ease herself out of the company. So let's take a look at the next generation of Facebook leaders. Uh, Javi Olivan will take over as COO, but the role is is being somewhat reconstituted. He won't oversee all of the things that, that Cheryl did in her iteration of chief operating officer. Obviously, there's Nick Clegg, uh, Chris Cox in, in product, Andrew Bosworth, chief technology officer. Talk to us, Sarah, about the team that Sheryl Sandberg leaves behind, many of these longtime Mark Zuckerberg lieutenants who've been at the company for years. Well, the one person that people might not know very well is Holly, Javi, um, who came out of the growth organization. Uh, he was a lieutenant to uh, uh, Chamath, uh, Polly Hapatia, who was, you know, the, the, the growth at all costs lieutenant to, to Zuckerberg, who really drove the company, sometimes in dicey ways, uh, as it grew. And he gained trust and really has been very quietly one of the very top executives at Facebook slash Meta. Um, and I think you're going to learn more about him now. Of course, uh, Andrew Bosworth is, again, someone who's been with the company uh, since 2005, I think. Um, he helped launch the news feed. That, that's how far back he goes. Um, you know, also, in the, you didn't have any women, in, unfortunately, in, in that line there. But Naomi Gleit um, is someone who is in, the, in that inner circle, um, who, again, one of the earliest Facebook employees. So it's sort of striking that now as Meta faces its next big focus, its next challenge in the metaverse, the people behind it are people who have been with Mark Zuckerberg since the, almost the very beginning. Speaking of uh, women at Facebook, a number of, you know, powerful women who came up in Facebook have left, quite frankly, Stephen Carolyn Everson, uh, Fiji Simo, who is now the CEO of Instacart. I actually had a chance to sit down with Fiji to ask her about Facebook's future, this pivot to the metaverse, her thought on whether or not this was a good idea. Take a listen to what she had to say. I personally don't love spending a ton of time in VR. I am incredibly motion sick, which would have been a very big problem if I had stayed at Facebook to build the metaverse. You know, it's interesting, Stephen. I wonder if Cheryl had a moment of like, uh, you know, I've got to rewrite a, a whole new business plan, write a whole new business plan and, and how this all is going to work in the metaverse now. And that maybe a part of her just didn't want to do that, Stephen. What do you think? 
you know, I, I agree. When I when I saw the, the company change its name, I thought, finally, Cheryl has kind of an exit ramp. If you look at the history of, of Cheryl, I think she wanted to leave originally uh, after the company went public. But that really didn't go very well. Um, and it would have been a bad note to leave on. So she said, OK, let me wait till it, it all comes together. And then the next horrible thing that happened was her husband died. And, you know, um, that wasn't, you know, a good time you know, to leave. It wasn't a good time for her personally. And, you know, she leaned on Mark and, and the company to get her through that. And then came the 2016 election and all the troubles then. So, you know, she was sort of thwarted at every turn. Uh, when the senatorial post came up in California, a lot of people thought, well, that was something that Cheryl was waiting for. She wanted to go into politics. But again, she was in no position to do that. And also a lot of people thought that the person who took over that, uh, that that seat uh, was, you know, in line for that again. So Cheryl has had some pretty bad luck in terms of an exit ramp uh, from Facebook, but she only really wanted to stay for five years. That was her original plan. <laughs> and she told me that today that she thought this was a five year gig. And here she is 14 years later. I mean, Sarah, what is your level of, of confidence in the, the team that's left um, behind, if you will, or the, the team that's still there that's going to have to come up with this uh, business plan for the metaverse and obviously all the products that are going to make it come to life. Well, I was, when I think about Facebook and, and what Facebook has really invented over the course of of its history, it's, it's this this sort of very methodical strategy of growing, uh, growing to, in ways that, you know, a lot of other companies wouldn't have thought of, like making sure that there is no barrier to somebody using your product. And Javier Olivan, who is going to be the new COO of Facebook, was really the, the person spearheading that at Facebook for many years. He was in charge of growth, in charge of making sure that Facebook resonated in new markets. And I, I think that the fact that he's in the CEO position, it, it just means that Facebook needs the metaverse to work. That is their next bet um, because of the decay of their legacy platform. Facebook is is um, stagnating in terms of user growth. Instagram is, is struggling to keep up with TikTok. This is a really rough time um, for Facebook to not have a sure bet for its next 10 years. And by putting Javier in the driver's seat there on operations, um, they really are saying like, we want this to work. Uh, it's certainly interesting to think about the pivot to the metaverse as an off-ramp, if you will, um, for Sheryl Sandberg to leave, as you know, I'm sure she's been, been planning to do at least eventually. Um, Bloomberg Sarah Fryer, thank you. Stephen Levy, editor-at-large at Wired, author of Facebook, The Inside Story. If you want to learn more about how we got here, thank you both. It is time now for our crypto report, and Bitcoin seemed to be on the right track for a decoupling with U.S. stocks, but that was short-lived as the largest cryptocurrency fell for the first time in five trading sessions. Bloomberg's Katie Greifeld here in New York for more. Good to see you in person, Katie. Thrilling to see you in so, person. So thrilling, yes. indeed. That's the word. Um, what happened? 
Uh, it's not good. That correlation with big tech, when it comes to Bitcoin, it's back in a big way. That's actually bad news for Bitcoin because the Nasdaq 100, it's dropped for two straight days. It's down about 1% so far this week. And if you look at what that's meant for Bitcoin, basically under a lot of pressure, it dropped almost 7% on Wednesday alone. It's back below that $30,000 per coin level. It still hasn't broken out on the low end of its reign, but Emily, it's just, it can't get it off the ground. So what should we expect to happen tomorrow? It's a good question. I've actually been taking a look at the ProShares Bitcoin Strategy ETF. The ticker there is BITO. If you look at the its put-to-call ratio, it's close to a record high. That ratio right now stands at about 1.6. And if you pair that with what we're seeing in short interest, about 10% of BITO shares outstanding are sold short at the moment. You add that all together. Basically, it tells you that even though Bitto and Bitcoin down well over 30% so far this year, traders preparing for more losses ahead. Now, I got to tie this back to Sheryl Sandberg <laughs> somehow because that is the big news of the day. Let's not forget that Facebook had a big cryptocurrency project. Mm -hmm. Libra, David Marcus, who had come over from PayPal, ended up running that. He's no longer at the company either. Is there, you know, how much hope is there for Facebook to have a role in the crypto space? It feels like this company really has a tortured relationship <laughs> when it comes to the entire crypto ecosystem. Like you said, I mean, Diem never really got off the ground. It took a long time for that to unravel. And now, obviously, Facebook, now Meta, took a hard pivot into the metaverse, that digital world. I haven't heard a good definition for it yet. But in any case, they're investing a ton of money there. But we heard from Zuckerberg just late last month saying that it's going to be a long path to return on investment in the metaverse, that Meta is going to lose significant money in the metaverse for the next three to five years. But like Sarah Fryer said just in the last segment, Facebook needs the metaverse to work, but that could take a while. Indeed, and now there's a, a whole different team of people that's going to be in charge of figuring out the business model for that without Sheryl Sandberg. Okay, Katie Greifeld, thank you. Coming up, what Sheryl Sandberg's departure means for women leaders in tech at large. We're going to talk about that and more with Girls Who Code founder Rashma Shaujani next. This is Bloomberg. What if everyone at work were an expert communicator? What if every doc, message and email they wrote was perfectly clear and concise? Inbox numbers would drop, customer satisfaction scores would rise and everyone would be more productive. That's where Grammarly comes in. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that understands your business and can transform it through better communication. Companies that use Grammarly save an average of 19 days per employee per year. That's because with Grammarly's AI, what used to take a few hours only takes a few clicks, like generating an instant first draft in your company voice or tailoring a message to your specific audience and goals. And Grammarly's personalized on-brand writing help is built in everywhere your team works, across 500,000 apps and websites. Plus, it's safe, secure, and already IT-approved. Join 70,000 teams who trust Grammarly with their words and their data. Learn more at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said, done. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. 
our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. A decision I didn't come to lightly, but it's been 14 years. It's been 14 years, and I want to make more room to do more philanthropically, to do more with my foundation. I've definitely not been able to do nearly as much as I have wanted to uh, recently. It's a really important moment for women. Emily, I know you and I have spent a lot of time talking about that over the years, but it really feels like a very, very important moment. Uh, when I think more focus there would really be, be important to me personally. I want to come back to today's news. Sheryl Sandberg leaving Meta, bringing Russ Michelle Johnny, founder of Girls Who Code, author of Pay Up, a book on the current model of the workplace, how it needs to change for the next generation. Obviously, Sheryl Sandberg was part of the conversation that I'm sure got you there, and I know she was a supporter of Girls Who Code. I have to ask for your reaction to this news that after a really long time, Sheryl Sandberg is leaving Facebook. I'm excited for her. Mm-hmm. You know, Sheryl was an early supporter of Girls Who Code. We used to actually have every year these town halls, you know, where her and I would have a conversation with, you know, hundreds of our students, and she opened up Facebook, you know, to this movement. And I think she's absolutely right. I mean, women are in crisis. Mm-hmm. You know, Roe v. Wade is about to be overturned any minute now. And so we need leadership, and we need her leadership. So I'm excited to see what she does. What do you make of the controversy around her leadership? I mean, not everybody agreed with Lean In. Yeah. I mean, listen, I don't agree with all of Lean In. You know, I wrote a book, Pay Up, saying, but, you know, it was revolutionary at that moment. Mm-hmm. And things have changed. I think she would agree with that, that we need a different type of fight in workplaces. We have to stop trying to fix women and we have to fix the structure. But the reality is, is you have to applaud how far she got to Mm -hmm. and what that means for women. You know, we always say you cannot be what you cannot see. And there are so many young girls who are looking at her as a CEO of Facebook and saying, well, maybe I can do that too. A very high-ranking female executive in Silicon Valley told me, you cannot lean in if the door is nailed shut. Is, this, is the door still nailed shut for a lot of people, or has, has it cracked open? No, it's nailed shut. <laughs> you know, it, it, is, it is definitely nailed shut. I mean, look at the state of affairs right now. We are literally living in a country that is, is, is forcing birth. You know, for women with that, in a country that has the highest infant mortality rate, no paid leave, no affordable childcare, where our kids are being shot in schools. I mean, the, the number one, you know, uh, the number one reason why kids die is guns. Mm-hmm. 
And so, yes, the door is nailed shut and we have to force it open. Uh, and there's ever been a moment to call for a revolution, to call for, you know, thinking about things differently. You know, we just launched a coalition to make sure that childcare is a benefit that every single company offers. Mm -hmm. You and I have talked about women backsliding in the pandemic and the fear that women will come out of this in, in worse shape than how they entered. Um, Elon Musk is now saying, can't work from home. I'm curious what your, re, your reaction is to his memo, um, given that this thought of hybrid work, uh, there's a thought that it's good for women. Yeah, I mean, listen, I get it. People want people back in the office, but people can't come back in the office unless they don't have the support. So, you know, we just did a survey with McKinsey, and half of the women that we surveyed left because childcare is unaffordable and unreliable. Today, half of our daycare centers are still shut down. You know, we still have new variants. You know, we still have instability at schools. I mean, most people, you know, pay more for their, their childcare than they pay for their mortgage. It's their largest cost center. So if we want people to come back to, to work, we have to think about new policies to help them come back to work, which means paying for their childcare, you know, which means having paid leave, which means thinking about how you do design hybrid workplace to make it possible for people to fulfill the roles that they're facing. And it's mm -hmm. not just moms, it's dads too. Absolutely. You know, I talk to so many fathers who say, I don't want to commute two and a half hours of work, you know, to work every day there and back and see my kid for five minutes a day. I don't want to live like that. You also have a very unique view into how well our young people and girls especially are being prepared for the future. Are they ready? Are they getting new tools to succeed in, in, in the world that we're still faced with today? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, I gave Yale's commencement speech last week and I've been talking to young people and asking them, like, you know, how do you feel about this moment? You know, do you feel like you want to change the world. And when I talk to so many kids, they say in the past two years, it set us back. We're exhausted, we're tired, our mental health is drained. You know, we look at the adults in the room and they are not leading us. Mm -hmm. And so we are not inspired. We do not feel like we're ready to basically solve COVID climate. So we need to do something different. So in 30 seconds, what's the good news? Inspire us, because you're out there doing this good work and clearly, Women are inspiring. Yeah, the good news is we are pissed off as hell. <laughs> and this rage is going to take us to power. Um, well, uh, what do you, how significant do you think it is that Sheryl Sandberg will not be leading on the business side, but you know, might be more influential on the policy side? I think we need, I mean, listen, I, I give so much gratitude to Melinda Gates mm. and McKinsey Bezos. I mean, Melinda has single-handedly funded the movement that I'm a part of, mm. you know, in terms of making sure that we have paid leave and affordable childcare. So we need more women, more philanthropists, more women who are seeding this work. Amen. Rashma Shaljani, Girls Who Code. So good to see you here. Good to see you too. Thank you. That does it for this edition of Bloomberg Technology. I'm going to be right back here in New York tomorrow. We've got a great lineup of guests there. That's all for now. Stay tuned to Bloomberg. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.